Hi guys, welcome back to the Earthly Delights podcast. Today we have a very special guest, the award-winning journalist, <laughs> Rosie Dowsing, who won an award for Fathers on Edge, Our New Dads Being Failed. Um, but before we get anywhere else, we have to start with what's the crack. So Rosie, how are we doing? Hello, firstly. I like the sound of award-winning journalist. That's true. Still sinking in. Um, yes, I'm good. I'm doing very well. I feel... Like, I'm finally, after a really, 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 really long time, getting to where I wanted to be. So, and that is um, in journalism. Being an award-winning journo. Being an award-winning <laughs> journo. This 2019 um, was a great year for me. I finished my master's, which I really didn't want to do because I didn't want to have to spend the money, uh, which I didn't have, and I didn't want to go further into debt. But it was worth it, and I'm now doing a job I love. Fair play. Um... How are you? Not too bad in England for the first time in about a year. So I've been make like I've had fish and chips. That's the first one I had back. Just had a full English. Um, but like I was saying to you, I feel like a bit of a tourist. I was stood. Um, I'm in Spanish mode still, so I was stood at the traffic lights because in Spain the traffic lights have a timer on, so you don't have to press a button for the green man. And I was stood there like a loser for five minutes. And then some guy came up and pressed the button and just looked at me like I was an absolute moron. To be fair, though, I don't press the button. I do wait because surely. If it's a crossroad, right? Yeah. It's going to go green because the traffic's going to stop. Yeah, right? but the, these were the ones like it, you, ha- you have like to press. Like middle the, of the road. Yeah, yeah, you had to press button. Otherwise, it would just be on like right. red forever. Oh, and I was just there for five minutes. Like, and they don't have those in Spain? No, nah, it's always on a timer. Mm. So feel like a bit of um, a tourist in my own country, but it is what it is. Um, but apart from that, feeling good, um, feeling very happy. And yeah, feeling positive, mate, about the new year and... and just all going well at the moment in a good headspace. Is so. it nice to come home and do you find comfort in the food over here? One hundred percent. When you've always criticised English food, being Italian, you always say that our food is bollocks and that Italian Italians cook with so much more flavour and the true. British don't know good Seasoning. food, good taste. That's true. And yet you come back here, you eat our fish and chips, <laughs> you eat our full English, and you say Listen. suddenly that your mental health is in a better place. Listen, cool. British cuisine is fairly terrible, but oh. they have some stellar plates, some standalones, a roast dinner, fish and chips, full English, pie and mash, pie and mash. bangers and mash. There's a lot of mash stuff going on here, but bangers <laughs> and mash, gravy, tone the whole, <laughs> all this stuff. I mean, it's basically the same four ingredients used over and over again. I'm just saying, as a cuisine, not up there with the Italians. But I can appreciate a good English. And where does Spain and Spanish cuisine sit on that? The cuisine as a whole, I'd say, is better than English, but I prefer English food. Like, judías verdes, when it's literally just green beans. That is the plate. It's just green beans with a little bit of bacon. I'm like, mate, you can't be giving this as a full-on I main course. I love vegetables, though. Yeah, but, like, it's just too My much. My favourite thing There's no even starch or anything. It's just actual green beans. It's too much, mate. Yeah, no, but everything else in Spain is starch. Yeah, everything is Yeah, carbs. there's a lot of rice and that, but I, I do... I just don't... What happens with me is I don't miss English food until I know I'm coming back to England, and then about a month before I come in back, the cravings start, and I'm like, I plan what yeah. I'm going to have. So that all of a sudden, like, I haven't thought about, for example, a double-decker in about nine months. I've got one upstairs. Would you like it? Yeah, I'll have one after, if you want mine, yeah, actually. That'd be nice. <laughs> Stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I missed all, like, a, um, cheese and onion walkers. Yeah. Don't miss them. But then when I now come back, I'm like, oh, 
But Lay's walkers are out in. Yeah, Spain. but they don't have cheese and onion, or they don't have prawn and cocktail either. I love prawn cocktail. Yeah, it's top. So I've got it all sussed out, really. So yeah, so that's that. But um, let's get started with the main segment, which is um, basically an interview, um, just a load of questions about this award-winning documentary. So... Feels weird, um, you interviewing me. I know, mate. The interviewer has become the interviewee. Yeah. Mate, this is what we Not do. Sure, I'm ready. This is what we do on the Earthy Delights podcast. We flip the script. I like to ask the questions. <laughs> well, That's the... why I've just asked you about British food for <laughs> the last five minutes. The questions are coming your way. The first of which is, um, like, literally the first. Well, actually, let's just start off with for people who haven't watched the um, the documentary. Could you just like give us kind of an overview on? what it's about, why you why you chose that topic, and yeah, just... Yeah, well, it's it's a short documentary, it's just 15 minutes, um, and it is about loneliness among new fathers, which I'd heard really nothing about. I'm not a father, I'm not a mother even, I'm not a parent, and um, I've always sort of heard of there being a lot of support groups for mums, and, um, you know, they get a long maternity leave, obviously they're carrying the baby, like they do require that. Um, and, you know, just women open up a lot more. And I've never, pers- my personal prejudice too, I don't think I've ever said to a new dad, how are you feeling? Yeah. Um, and I don't think that is ingrained in daily conversation at all. Mm. So I, it actually started, I hadn't even thought about it, but it started when I just went along to a debate in Parliament about loneliness among new fathers Um, just because I was desperate for a story and this was a public debate so I just went along and MPs literally debated it for about three hours but in a nice way and Mm -hmm. in the mid of Brexit and Parliament being suspended and all of that stuff it was so rare to hear Labour MPs, there was SNP there and it was led by Tory MPs um, just talking sort of really openly and a lot of dads, new dads as well, um, young dad MPs standing up and talking about it and so, yeah, I thought this needs a, a lot more exploration, see whether there's anything in place. And we started from there, went to a few, spoke to a few dads, one who started International Father's Mental Health Day. He had postnatal depression and anxiety after having his first child and had no one to speak to. Mm. We spoke to um, a dad who started a group called Dad's House because he was alone. Um, and those dads there are actually the, the sole... Um, parent yeah so again when you're just the dad you're a single dad you've got sole responsibility for a child mm. what do you do who do you yeah. speak to um yeah so it was went from there really we just spoke to a lot of people about it and looked towards what government what society can be doing to help dads become accustomed to being a parent and feel comfortable talking about it fair enough i'm like i remember when you came obviously you put on like your facebook and stuff because it was part of your um your masters wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, it was a final project. Yeah, and then like 
obviously people who know me might say that I'm not the most expressive of people although no. with this podcast I'm trying to change that yeah. um and like I saw it and I was taken aback number one by the quality of it like I genuinely okay. I thought it was like BBC standard I was like what the hell is I this I don't think it was <laughs> I mean Boop and Mind Media Awards 2019 backed me up because I gave you the award for it but like yeah but that's a that's a charity for mental health that's not a journalistic well uh, mate just take okay, take the compliment oh, all right not very good. um and then also, I was like really took, taken aback because, like you said, I never, ever, ever thought of it. Like it was a topic that literally never came to my mind. Even just now, when you just said about um, single dads, yeah. like it's something that like I would. You think of single moms, yeah, three yeah. jobs. Do you know what I mean? It's in films. It's in all sorts. Pursuit of Happiness, for example, has got. Yeah. But like the thought of a single dad, it just doesn't even come come to my mind. Or when you said that that guy, obviously I've watched the documentary, the, he was Welsh, right? If I'm correct. The guy had yes. postnatal depression. Well, the loneliest yes. time of my life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it sounded weird, like him saying, I had postnatal yeah. depression. It's like, yeah. it's like an oxymoron, how can a dad have postnatal depression? Yeah. So like, I thought it was commendable that like, you found a niche um, and like, kind of gave light to it because I literally had never yeah. ever thought of it and I'm starting a men's health mental health podcast do you know what I mean well it, it, in a way it's niche just because genuinely had not thought about it before but it's not niche in the sense that it affects roughly half the oh, parenting yeah, yeah, yeah. population you yeah. know everyone become every man who has a child is a dad mm -hmm. so therefore we actually felt how on earth can we condense being a dad into 15 minutes? We yeah. had to really sort of um, choose some some main aspects such as loneliness. We couldn't even, which is a whole other debate and could be an hours and hours long of documentary, the, the paternity leave thing is not ideal. Yeah. Um, the two weeks uh, that a parent gets to, you know, a dad gets to get to know their baby. Um, so that was just something that we couldn't even go into much depth about. But if, you know, if it was turned into a series yeah. or something, that's something that I think, you know, a better documentary maker should explore. Yeah. Well, the, to get to start with, like the first 30 seconds um, starts off with, I believe it's an MP, I forget his name, but um, saying basically that men in just general don't talk about their feelings and it kind of stems from there. Mm -hmm. And like my, when I watched your documentary, my initial thing was like, obviously like fathers need a space to first of all, network with other fathers and express how it is to, to be a father, what it feels like, the responsibilities that come with that, the pressures that come with that. But my like initial thing was, it's a, like, isn't it a problem with, for fathers because it's a problem for boys, it's a problem for young men. You know, you don't you don't see 14-year-old boys open up, you don't see 18-year-old boys open up, you don't see 23-year-old men open up. So obviously that kind of goes all the way along the way to fatherhood. And I was like, it, to use a football term, if we kind of tackled that at a grassroots level at a younger age, then it would have that butterfly effect by whereby fathers would then find it normal to talk about um, any pressures or anything that they're feeling. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's what comes first, the chicken or the egg situation. Yeah. Because if a dad was to open up with their son a lot more, that's true. then that would then teach them yeah. to open up a lot more and then do the same with their children. So it's, it's, um, it's tough. I think young boys obviously open up. They'll, you know, they'll chat to their mom and, and stuff like that. But it's, it's when they get to that adolescent age where it's, you know, not cool to, I don't know, Put up a fuss with, by to your mom or, yeah, yeah. or to to be that lovey dovey to your family mm. um, with your friends. It's all like, oh mate, you know, I don't know. Let's play foot football. Let's, let's chat weird stuff. Yeah. 
um, I don't know. I think I think that's where it stems from. Um, so maybe there there should be more in in school to encourage, you know, adolescent boys to open up. I don't know. I haven't yeah. been to school for a while, but yeah, that would. I've, tr- I've just had a light light bulb moment. Yeah. There should be sort of like group boy opening up uh-huh. well, things in school, maybe. Like my question. Um, which is why I've, I have like a lot of girlfriends, as in friends that are girls. Louisa, don't get worried. Um, but like, and I love I love the conversation with them because in general, this is not to say that all my conversation with girls are like this, but in general, they're a lot more, they're deeper, they're more profound. Whereas the conversations that I have with my boy mates, they're quite, not all of them, but they are the majority are quite superficial. And when I have ever opened up, excluding a, a, a few mm. when I've ever opened up to the majority of my boy mates about any worries that I'm having things that have happened in my past that just got me down or whatever um the response has kind of been oh that's really shit mate I'm sorry to hear that have you seen Messi's hat trick last week mm. and it's not because they don't care or or anything like that I think it's because I see it in their eyes they're like a rabbit caught in the headlights they just have no idea how to even address that yeah. conversation the vocabulary needed the the headspace needed, um, the presence of mind just to like, sometimes I don't even like you, when you're telling someone's problems, you don't want necessarily advice. Sometimes you just want a soundboard, just someone to like bounce ideas off, just to hear someone to listen to. to. And um, I've always found that girls just in general, just do that so much better. And I was wondering if you like, not obviously anything specific, but if you have any ideas of why, girls generally speaking are just naturally better at that and more receptive to having those conversations to listening um, and don't get scared of the topic it's it's a tough one because I genuinely can't put my finger on it because mm. firstly I feel that if you're having a conversation over whatsapp or you know over text yeah. it's hard to fully get the reception you want so if you're whatsapping your mate saying I've had a, I've had a bad day yeah um then it's just not going to be, don't expect like a yeah. response. But you, to you have him call you back and say, do you want to chat? I think, yeah. I think when you cornered someone on the phone <laughs> or you cornered them in a group, they just have to respond that way. They have yeah. to, they have to sort of give you a bit of advice. But um, I don't know about girls. I think we don't exactly ask, to be fair, we do actually, how are you feeling? We do ask that in our WhatsApp group. Um, but I, Mental health wise, in terms of as a subject, I would say I'm actually like a bloke. Right. As a journalist, I see the massive importance of it and I encourage people to open up and tell yeah. me about it. But in terms of giving advice as the friend, uh-huh. I retreat. I get scared. I don't I don't want to say the wrong thing. Someone's at really low I had a friend recently who was at such a low point in their lives. And all it, all it took was all I needed to do was phone that person, yeah. and I couldn't bring myself to do it because yeah. I was scared that I wouldn't know what to say. Yeah. And then when I saw them in person, um, like a week later, and asked them how they were, and I actually spoke to them face to face, we had a little cry about it, and I was like, "I'm so sorry. This is this was my you know problem. I, I couldn't speak to you, but here I am, and here's all the advice I've, I've been bottling up, mm-hmm. and here it is." And they were like, "That's the best advice I've been given so far." Yeah. I was just scared. I was just scared, basically. Yeah. So I think it takes meeting people face to face, and I think um, with your mates that people shouldn't be afraid to, even if they're just at the pub and it's supposed to be a nice evening, yeah. to just bring it up and just and just chat in person because yeah. it's so much better than. Especially if if you are suffering from mental health and you're on your own in your bedroom, yeah, yeah, it's nice to have a phone call or WhatsApp your friends, but get out and see them because that's yeah. the, I think that's face to face is always best. It's because see when you were um, 
like on in the documentary, like uh, there was the father Tope, yeah, um, or Tope from um, Dope Black um, Father Group. Is that correct? Yeah, so it's a group called Dope Black Dads. Yeah, um, and they it's really interesting. Actually, another thing I didn't think about is they're trying to challenge black fatherhood as a stereotype mm -hmm. um, that you know dads are never there, especially in, in black community, you know, BAME communities. Yeah, um, and that then, you know, they've not done research about it, but there is that sort of stereotype and the stereotype that, you know, a, a fatherless child is much more likely to go into crime because mm -hmm. they don't have a proper role model. Yeah. So they're trying to challenge that and say, you know, we are here, we're, we're, we're black fathers that care. Yeah. Um, we're like everyone else, every other parent, that yeah. doting um, parents. So really interesting to meet them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they connect with each other via a WhatsApp group. Yeah. And I don't think there are many men that, or no. fathers that can say, oh, I'm part of a WhatsApp group. And, no. you know, whether it's changing nappies or um, my wife's out with the girls and I don't know what to do, the baby yeah. won't stop crying. That's yeah. so helpful, that yeah. kind of network. Yeah. Because then, then none of them are alone. I, Literally not one of them because they're part of that group. I found it really interesting that... Um, that it was just men supporting other men with no kind of female influence in them. Yeah. Because like I was saying, my personal situation, if I talk to mental, like about my mental health or whatever it is, the majority of people that I will talk to that may help me have always been my female friends. Yeah. And I'm lucky that I have a lot of female yeah, friends. Do, yeah. um, but I think I'm, I'm not the norm when it comes to blokes. I think the majority kind of have their bloke friends and they don't have many female friends. And so I always wondered, like, oh, if I didn't have any of my female friends, I'd be absolutely buggered because I only have like one or two blokes who act like who actually want to talk to me about this stuff. Yeah. And so then to see like Tope and the other dads in that group, own like just supporting them each other one hundred percent and only having men in there, I thought was um was really uh, like interesting and inspiring. And I thought that it it you didn't have to be a father watching that documentary to learn from that. I just thought you could yeah. be a man yeah. and just learn from that and just yeah. be like, we should do better for each other in terms of our own like male friends. Like I, I just think that it's such a good lesson to learn from. Um, the other question that I had was, do you not think that um, basic, well, as well more Jim's question, actually, he's all about like holistically helping each other, not relying on governments to create schemes and, and laws and regulations, um, and he was think he was asking. Obviously, you have people like um, the bloke, um, the dope black fathers group, and then there was the other one, the uh, is it father's house, dad's house, dad's house group, um, and they're like little small initiatives. Yeah. But he was wondering if you had any ideas after doing the documentary, if there was anything else that we ourselves could do as a society or groups of men could do that would make it mm. easier for father new newly like new fathers coming to terms with what's what they're yeah. facing. I think it will take a longer time. I think the way that policies help means that if the um, if health professionals, for example, were to include even just the language, like rather than mother and baby groups, mm. you know, parent and baby groups, mm. um, how are you, dad? If that was a conversation that doctors had, yeah. um, if they tested for mental health in fathers as well as they do in mothers, which they currently don't, I think that would help in the whole health side of mental health um and, and the parent feeling a lot like midwives don't really speak to the dads either they just yeah. feel part of the whole parenting process yeah i think government level as well if paternity leave was longer um they'd feel a lot more part of it so there is definitely 
shorter term things such as policies or the way that health professionals see fathers that would have an immediate impact that then generation by generation attitudes would change Mm. because dads are more spoken about in Mm. terms of mental health and so I don't think that the initial let's change things now would be right let's just tell everyone in the world to treat fathers better I know that society needs to change its its attitudes um you know men need to open up more men need to feel okay with saying I need help yeah um but that I think will also be encouraged by um policy so for example one of the dads that was on your documentary he was talking about um what a policy change within his own company whereby Originally, he was only, his firm only offered six month full paternity mm. um, pay, and then by the time he had his second kid, um, they were then offered the full year um, for full pay. And he was saying that when he asked, because he was given the standard was two weeks paternity. Yeah, that's the sort of national. Standard. Yeah, and that when he asked for more, um, there's a stigma attached. And I, and I thought about it myself, and the, my gut feeling was yeah, you lazy, like, so-and-so, like, why would you need paternity leave? It's all about the mother connecting. And then when I thought about it more, I was like, two weeks is literally nothing. nothing. I mean, it's nothing. Like, you, you like how can you form a bond? You brought a baby into yeah. the world. Bought, brought. Um, yeah, just bought off the street. <laughs> yeah, Angelina Jolie, just like buying them in. <laughs> um, well, even that too, you know, adoption yeah. as well. They get only two weeks paternity leave. Yeah. And, in, and in gay couples as well, what, what happens there? You yeah. know, there's so much that needs to change in how um, fathers are looked at in the workplace and, and from the government in terms of how much time they can get off. Because, for example, the um, John, who you're talking about, mm-hmm. his... And this happens in a lot, I mean, probably about 60% of couples that that needs to be an emergency C-section. Then Becky and the baby were in hospital for a week while he's on paternity leave driving to and from the hospital. So tired. That is even dangerous as well, driving to and from the hospital. They never give dad somewhere to stay. Dad's... if your hospital's really far away, like, and it's overnight, you're buggered, yeah. And so he... um, only got a week, really, to bond with his baby. And at that point, the baby literally isn't even responsive, just needs yeah. to feed off the mum. So yeah. what what chance do you have to really uh-huh. become a parent? I think I think dads really feel part of the parenting process when the babies can be fed by a bottle. I think a lot of dads we spoke to said that was the time, finally, that they felt... Because they had some sort of responsibility yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think two weeks is incredibly short... The, the government have introduced um, shared parental leave, which is supposedly this massively progressive, let's get dads and mums on the same thing. Um, but it works as the couple split um, nine months a year between them. Right. But both of them have to be in full paid, you know, long-term jobs. So it wouldn't work for me as a freelancer. Yeah. It wouldn't work if you've only been there a year. Right. And all of these things. So there's a lot of problems with it there's only about 285,000 couples in the UK that are eligible for shared parental right, leave okay. and only 9,000 take it right there's only 9,000 currently like on shared parental leave so there's obviously yeah. some problems there like something needs to change and it's because the mum obviously for breastfeeding reasons needs to do that first six months yeah of course um but then that might not coincide with a promotion that the dad was hoping to get or if the dad's the breadwinner 
then him taking a pay cut to go and share parental leave mm. really doesn't help the family out. Yeah. So there is um, a real problem there. I think if you look at somewhere like Finland, uh, where the gender pay gap is pretty much zero mm -hmm. because dads get as much time as mums off, right. I genuinely think that it, there's an argument for feminism in the paternity leave argument because yeah. if dads take as much time as women and mums, they would probably be as equal as an asset to a company because yeah, yeah. you know women aren't as much of an asset if they're going to take time off all the, the time kids, to go yeah. and have a baby. Yeah. So there's a real argument there. I don't know what I don't know what the government can really do apart from just encourage more people on shared parental leave. Mm. The fact that this guy, um, his, his the policy of his job or his um, place of employment changed, he was able to take shared parental leave. But those last three months, when Becky's gone back to work, the baby's a bit older, he was going to feel, he, he was saying how scared he is about how lonely he's going to feel in those three months. Yeah. So there's, yeah, I get to have time off and bond with my child, but what on earth am I going to do during the day? I'm going yeah, to go yeah. insane because mums have other mums. Yeah, no other dads are on paternity leave yeah. at that point. Like, he's just... He's going to spend his days, and it's winter at that point. He's going to spend his, his, his on it now, actually. Um, he's going to spend his days in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go out for walks. It's raining, snowing. So that kind of, it ties in nicely with the, the dad's group or dad's home or? Dad's house. Dad's house. Sorry. Um, bad with names. But they kind of noticed, not gap in the market, but that, that, that need for dads to support other dads and to be able to spend time with their kids, but with other dads, like the mum's yeah. groups that you see in every town city whatever yeah, um and i thought that was quite it sounds stupid to say but innovative yeah. <laughs> and that sounds ridiculous but yeah. like i thought it was quite innovative because it it was almost like you know the lads group that goes to watch the football together but all of a sudden now they're dads yeah. and they have a kid with them yeah um like could you just talk like explain more about that in the doc like what you did in the documentary yeah so um I met up with um billy who runs dad's house a few times before doing the documentary just to see what he's about he's a very interesting bloke but he's he's brought up his two kids on his own his mm. whole life so um and i don't actually know the reasons why i don't know if he was a widow oh. or something but um he was super alone um mental health really affected his mental health and i think he just started reaching out to other fathers in the area so this is in the kensington area but right. not the nice nice area do you know what I mean like, yeah, these aren't yeah. just like white dads with loads of money reaching yeah, yeah, out you know yeah. and and part of the charity which he founded dad's house so they do breakfast every saturday and that's when either so none of the dads are with the mum in this case i think i think maybe a few of them are all dads are welcome yeah. but a lot of them are single dads the sole parent and, a, and a, some of them are the kind of dads that just see their kids on the weekends right and maybe they haven't been encouraged to be good parents because they don't live with the child. Mm. So when they get them for the weekend, they're like, oh my gosh, what do I do with them? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not the main parent. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, So this is a safe place for all dads to just bring along their kids. They all eat breakfast, they play games, and it's really lovely. But the charity, Dad's House, also does other things. Like he is a, he drives around a food bag, basically. Right. And he, dry, he gets um, cheap furniture for dads that have nowhere really nice for their kids to come and stay you know oh, that don't have much money and oh. so that's really important is like if you've got a nice house that feels comfortable yeah your relationship with your child is going to be a lot better yeah and a lot less strained because in a lot of families money is the main strain yeah 
it's a lot it's a reason why a lot of families split up um and it's a reason why you know there's a lot of unhappiness yeah so he's trying to like go against that stereotype that you see for example in i think it's mrs doubtfire where like um robin what's his name the well, mrs doubtfire his like flat is just a complete mess can't yeah. cook can't do anything the kids hate it there but yeah, they, exactly. go to, they go to the mom's house and it's like yeah, it's lovely. this lovely mansion yeah. it's all like well put together yeah. which is the family home in inverted commas yeah I think it's really important especially when men are supposed to be the breadwinners mm. and it, they, they're they constantly under pressure to feel like they have to provide yeah. and if they don't even have somewhere at the weekend where their children can come and stay that they yeah. enjoy coming to stay to yeah. that's a real real issue Yeah. and again no one really speaks about that so dad's house is great Um. yeah that kind of I was thinking when I was watching that, um, I was just kind of reflecting on my relationship with my dad and how that would impact me being a father. And my dad never had the chat with me, so to speak, but just more of how he acted, how he wasn't. Obviously, you get those impressions from your parents. Um, and the thing that he kind of imparted on me was that as a friend, which as a man, mm whatever that means um i'm always supposed to be the problem solver the protector the provider but not just for family for everyone so if that meant that you you know hope it doesn't happen because i love sam but if you split up with sam and called me crying and i'm in madrid i'm supposed to somehow as your friend protector whatever um solve your problems solve everyone else's problems and put my own problems yeah. last like don't tell anyone else about your problems because that's inconsequential that's but what your dad basically instilled in you instilled in me that that's what a man does right a man takes on the problems of the world basically oh. and <laughs> your dad and, is the reason we're doing this podcast exactly and and I thought okay well that's I mean in some ways I like that because I I like I think that if everyone kind of felt that way to some extent the world would be a better place if everyone wanted to help everyone then we would have, it'd be cool, but there's a bit too much pressure there. Like I'm not Superman, <laughs> a little but pressure. but my. By the way, I wouldn't expect you to fly over no. to Madrid if I was going. <laughs> but like, Luckily, I'm a girl network. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, I'd be the last person you probably call. But but the point <laughs> yeah. it being that um, I thought, well, if that's how I feel now, and I mean, we're talking about just friends, and 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 that's it. How am I going to feel when I actually have a kid? When I actually have like a wife? And it's a direct responsibility because now, you know, so if you're like, I'm your, I'm one of your good friends, but you have a lot of other good friends, you have a boyfriend, you have a family of your own who can help you. Yeah. You're not my direct responsibility. But when I have like a kid of my own and a wife who's supposed to be my responsibility, so to speak, I was like, that feeling that I have now at 23 will only be amplified yeah. like tenfold. And I, I mean, like, I really hope my documentary hasn't made you more anxious. No, but I... It, it, <laughs> Your mental health about <laughs> being a dad worse. Because no, but it, I was it, just trying to expose the issue. It was funny that, like, it, I never thought about that and it kind of yeah. made me um, a bit more... I, like, have a, like an introspective moment of, like, Christ, I can't feel this way when I become a dad. Like, I should... Not now, but, like, say, like, when I get married and we start planning for a kid or whatever, whenever that may be, like, start to have something in place whereby you know, you have these dads who share responsibility or at least share yeah. the conversation of and it's fun what does it being mean? A parent. Yeah. Well, supposedly, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, it'd be fun to meet up with the mates. Yeah. And all bring it. I mean, I've been in the pub once and there's just been all these dads come in with their babies and buggies just coming for a pint. And the mums obviously think they've taken their babies somewhere else when yeah, they yeah, all yeah, come yeah. into the, the pub. pub. But that's fine. Like yeah. they're just being dads together. I yeah. think yeah, I think um there's no need to worry, Seb. No. I just I know what you mean. Yeah. There's a lot on a man's shoulder, um, and it seems to be the attitude that they just put up with it. Mm. And I think the reason for so long that there's been 
men and women have fundamentally seen themselves as different people. Yeah. Okay. But if you think about it, biologically, yes, we're very different downstairs. Yeah. But our brains are the same. Yeah. And we have the same feelings. Yeah. So the fact that girls and women are nurtured, they're always like, how are you? How are you feeling? Let's yeah. all love each other uh-huh. because women get hurt when women are bitchy, and they are, um, and we're very in touch with our feelings. The exact same thing happens in a man's or boy's head, mm. but that it just doesn't come out in the same way. But there's no. nothing that's different biologically between yeah. the two brains. I'm not, I'm not a... Um, psychologist really, yeah but i'm just saying yeah i yeah. don't think there's anything different. No. so therefore the same nurture that we give to girls and women growing up trying to instill them with confidence and all this strong independent women is great at the moment feminism is great but there is just seems to be a crisis an absolute crisis in men yeah well it's like was it 50 percent or like under 50s it's the biggest killer of men is suicide, suicide isn't it? yeah and that's a a lot, like you said in the documentary, a lot of those will be fathers. Yeah. In fact, my school, in my final year at secondary school, I knew of two friends whose dads committed suicide. Yeah, exactly the same, two people, exactly the same, yeah, yeah. And it's like, they live, they seemingly live this lovely life, you know, big sort of house, dog, few kids, yeah. nice cars, but maybe they got, I don't know the ins and outs, but I think one of them got redu- made redundant at work and it was this massive stress. Yeah. Of how am I going to be the provider? Be the provider for my family, and it's like they've reached this crisis because they can't open up, and that is the real issue. Um, and I do think that just helping dads. I know you say that grassroots, you know, helping yeah, helping, yeah, yeah. helping boys open up and helping teens open up. Yeah, that's a great idea. But if it starts with the dad, this is my this is my idea, right? Yeah. Start with the dad, then that means the son, the kid, is going to open up loads. So then, next generation, it's all it's all cushy. Everything's yeah. going. Um, but if the dad feels very much more included in the parenting process and feeling like it's a fifty fifty street when it comes to parenting, mm-hmm. not the statistic which currently stands, which is sixty nine percent of fathers feel like a spare part, which is yeah. ridiculous, um, but understandable. Yeah, yeah. Um, you would reach a point. I just thought we could shut that out. Yeah, we could shut that out. You would reach a point where I think there'd probably be less separations, mm. less estranged fathers, mm. you know, the dad that goes a bit AWOL, gets a midlife crisis, crisis yeah. maybe um, cheating, mm. maybe feeling like they, they lack that, um, what's the word? What is that word? Satisfaction right. <laughs> in life, yeah. in their family life and home life. So seek it elsewhere. Yeah. Um, that might be me simplifying a lot of reasons no, why but... marriages break down, but that could really change things. It could also reduce crime if if young people had a better role model. Like young men. You know, yeah. it might reduce um, the treatment of women, mm-hmm. of of men, because yeah. they, they might have been fatherless. They've not seen how... Um, a man should treat a woman because yeah, yeah. so it could it could end domestic abuse. Yeah. All of this could be ended, and effects. our problems will be solved. And as I said, Finland has no gender pay gap um, because they give much better paternity leave. Their divorce rate is down. Mm. Their couples all stay together. They're just really happy, and they're doing it all very well. And I think yeah. we should all take a leaf out of their book. I think as well when when you were talking about like the estranged fathers, like seven, basically seventy percent, sixty nine percent, feeling like they're a spare part. When I kind of think of like the divided roles of a mother and a father, yeah. Just if you're going to be traditional about it, um, 
to me, it kind of seems that the mother is that nurturer, the, so, you know, there for the kid. But also, it kind of feels that the mother gets the fun things. Like, the good parts about being a parent, the mother gets to take, whether it's, you know, the girls on the shopping trips and this, yeah. that and the other. And the mother chooses the holiday destinations and, you know, what we're going to do this weekend and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and the dad's <laughs> just there, like, oh, here's my oh, credit card. And I know I that's a very... sorry for all dad. I know that's a very... Yeah, I know it's a very traditional outlook. I'm sure there's not a lot. I'm sure not everyone lives that way. But I think, like you said, if... Like those, like when you're in that pub and a group of dads just all walked in and they just had a good time with their like little babies watching football or whatever it may be. That doesn't come to my mind as like thinking of a dad. Yeah, and the only reason I remember this was three years ago is because I'd never seen, seen that many dads a, with yeah. babies together. Yeah, and so that's why it's one of the strongest images I have of a pub in St Albans. Yeah, like if, because I saw dads together yeah. holding babies without and, any mum nearby. And if it was a mu- if it was a group of mums, you'd have batted an eye. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, again, yeah exactly. <laughs> same old, same old. The coffee, the coffee yeah. group. Mums with babies. Yeah. Them? So, so I think like if we could. Like, I, I think about now, like, with the relationship that I had with my dad, and, okay, part of it was dictated by the fact that my dad, his job meant that he worked away for long yeah. periods of time. It is what it is. But only now that we're, let's say, both men, like a younger man, are we starting to have the relationship whereby it's a friendly relationship. There's a friendship there. It's not just father-son. Mm. Whereas the like the relationship that I had with my mother, my mother was a, like is a lawyer. She's worked long hours my whole life as well. But there was a lot more of a friendship in that inbuilt in that relationship compared to my dad's relationship. And I think that's be, like what we we're saying because my mum would be the one who would organise the fun things for me. My mum would do if I wanted to sleep over, I'd ask my mum. Oh, mum, yeah. friends over. I would never ask my dad that type of stuff. And so that we would never spend like time. I'd never spend time with my dad like to watch football or to do like fun stuff as father sonic activities mm. and i think not not all people but i think that goes for a lot of a lot of father son relationships and i just think if we could change that i think that would make it like you said it would make a huge difference yeah. i think the relationship i do i think asking them i mean have you ever and this is something that i mean this is another thing why i made the documentary i still i mean i probably should now that i'm this you know, award winner for Mind <laughs> Charity. I've still never asked my dad about his own mental health, which yeah. is awful. Yeah. But I just, I really struggle to open up around my family and my friends. So, um, and especially my dad, because, you know, I didn't grow up with him in the house. Yeah. So ha- you always talk about your dad and, you know, what he instilled in you. And now it's almost like you come out this other side as being like, no, dad, I don't want to be the man that takes everything on my shoulders and bottles it all up because I'm yeah. doing a podcast now and I want to talk about it. Yeah. So since that sort of shift in your own mindset, have you sat him down and said, let's have a chat? Um, or are you still scared to do that? It's definitely scared. Uh, but I'm going home in the, in the next two days tomorrow actually i'm going home tomorrow and it's a conversation that i've planned to have oh really yeah um and i am bricking it um obviously for people who don't know my personal situation like i i live away i live in madrid so i don't live even close to my family and i think that when um i went through all of my personal shit there was definitely a part if i went to a psychiatrist 100 percent, there's definitely a part of me that escaped to madrid like i sold myself the dream of oh i like i did spanish union i want to perfect my spanish and that is true and i love madrid and like you know that because when we were in erasmus i love madrid so there's that part of it is true yes and i wanted to move to madrid for those reasons but i went there with such haste b 
because of the shit that happened at home. And I was like, I just can't, not yeah. only can I not be in Lincoln, I can't be in England. Like I, <laughs> I just need to fucking get away from this place. And so, so what that means is I've kind of built myself my own little world and it's protected myself, but it means that I haven't had those conversations because they're not the conversations you have over the phone. Very true. And because of that, I don't, I, the end, in the last two years, I've been back to England twice, and that's been for Christmas and for my nan's funeral. So I only come back when duty calls. I mean, I do not come back for, like, fun. Um, and so it means that I've delayed that conversation massively. And I look back on it now, and I am, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I am absolutely certain that my dad has gone through depression oh, yeah. alone well, because, obviously, the there's divorce of, and the so on and so of... forth. And, 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 and he grew up in a very traditional like we're sicilians so that mafia mentality that that and and people joke and it is what it is but that is serious and my dad grew up but he used to tell me that when his dad called like called his name literally he would piss his pants from fear because his dad was that much of a fucking um disciplinarian do you know what i mean and and there wasn't any sort of opening up and my dad i mean i didn't used to um piss my pants when my dad called me but when i was growing up i would say the main thing that I had with my dad was my dad's the disciplinarian and you respect your father and that's that and now that we're like I said we're almost peers and it's no longer father son so much I think I'm ready to have that conversation but you should yes I think it's great you're going to have this conversation Mm. and the fact that you think that your dad's probably suffered I mean he sounds like to me if he's a guy that's bossed everything up he's just gone through a divorce like he is suffering oh 100% and I don't think you should only now I think you've got a duty now yeah to not just be coming back for duty. Yeah, To yeah, want yeah. to come back, to want to form that relationship yeah. with him. Yeah, yeah, No, you're 100% right. Because you, here you are preaching and no, no, no. You, you can't wait to have your have your own child, but you are you are very anxious for how it's going to be. I yeah. think you need to sort out your own relationship first. Oh, 100%. Like, listen, it's not all rosy <laughs> back in the Syracuse household. That is, that much is clear to anyone who knows me. But um, yeah, like I definitely need to have that conversation, not just with my dad and my mother as well, but it's, it's taken, it's taken all of this shit to happen, um, and it's taken me becoming a peer in his eyes. Uh, because before, like I said, it was just a thing of like father son. Do you know what I mean? Get the good grades, do this, mm. do that, and that was all. It it wasn't that like the relationship was hollow, but that's just what the relationship was. It was a relationship built on respect rather than like love, and that sounds weird. It's not like I didn't love my dad, or my dad didn't love me, but there wasn't that like nurturing side. Let's yeah. put it that way. Like when I was younger, um, this is going to paint like my dad's a brilliant dad and he's done everything he can for the family. But it's just you can't you are from you are what you are. And you I think um, nurture is a huge part of who you become personally. Mm-hmm. And like my dad, when I was younger, my dad would tell me and my sister, you know, like we'd fall over and we'd graze our knee. Obviously, as a four year old, um, you're going to cry. Mm. It just is what it is. My dad would like tell me, like, stop crying. Um tears don't help anybody like it's not helping it's not making the pain any worse so you have that inbuilt in you yeah it then gets to the point of okay i'm not going to cry now for my grave's knee oh now i'm not going to cry when my nan died oh now and i went like from when my nan died when i was 13 to when my parents got divorced when i was 21 that's seven years i didn't cry a tear and that's not to say that i had the perfect like life god (laughs) i wish i had the perfect life through then i had a good life but there were definitely moments where i felt like i needed to cry or could have cried but I just, it was like I was like a robot. I didn't have tears. Nothing came. Nothing came. And then. How did you feel when you first cried again after so many years? Did you feel a relief? 
I felt a relief, but I also felt like such an idiot because I had the thing of in my head of like, why are you crying? Tears don't help. And then I've since realised that sometimes you just need to. Like I used to talk to like, so we're talking about girlfriends. I used to talk to um, two of my ex-housemates from uni, Ella, Ella McCallum and Miriam Stanley, if they're listening, a big shout out. But they, so we were talking about this, about how I never cry. And they would tell me, which to some extent I still can't get round, my head round, but they would tell me that um, if they hadn't cried in like a couple of months, because like they've just had a good time, do you know what I mean? Like it's just been a good three months. Yeah, yeah. They would watch a sad film like Marley and Me or something just to, cry. to make them cry. And it's something that I couldn't get my head around. And then Louisa, she had like a bit of a wobble a couple of um, weeks ago. And she was just started crying, and I was like, oh, "Fuck! Like, what do I do here?" And I was like, "What are you crying about? Like, can I help the situation?" I was like, "What's up?" Blah blah. And she was like, "Nothing in particular. I'm just like upset. Like, I'm just crying." She was like, "Have you never had that?" And I was like, "No." To be fair, there are sometimes those days though. Yeah. And I do just listening to you there. I feel like you know earlier you asked me that question: What's different between girls and, and boys, guys like yeah. chatting to each other? I think it's the tears. Yeah. Because crying let something out and it shows your vulnerability yeah. to which naturally any human will respond to. Yeah. If you see someone crying, you don't just change the subject like your mate did, talk about Messi's goal. If someone cries to you, you will sit there and chat to them until they stop crying and then check they're okay, maybe give a bit of advice. And then mm. when they start to laugh, when they have that first glint of laughter, you think, that's great, fine. let's change the subject yeah. because that's, you don't yeah. want them to cry again. Yeah. That is how I think that that girls who are much more willing to cry connect. Mm. And that, there's obviously other reasons that they connect, but having a good cry to your friend, your sister, your mum, into their bosom yeah. actually helps so much. I definitely think it's key. I, I remember talking to my mum. Um, or to your pillow. I like crying into my pillow. I, I, I think it's key. Like I've, I don't cry regularly now, but I definitely am more partial to a little tear. And I remember like when I used, like, I talked to my mum, like, um, a couple of years after my nan, like my Italian nan died, and she was like the matriarch of the family. She kept the whole family together, and uh, it was like my dad's last parent. Like, like his dad had already passed away, um, and my mum said she'd been with my dad for like twenty five years or something, and she said she had never seen my dad cry ever, like once, never once. And I asked, like, oh, what about like when Nonna, like my Italian nan, like what about when she died? Cause he's like, she was like, no. And that doesn't, that's not to say that my dad did. He maybe he did. Maybe he went to a bathroom somewhere. Or, But what it showed to me was that he felt as the father, and he also, he's the only brother, and he's the only yeah. man, and so he was the only living man left in the family with the rest of the sisters. And I think what that showed is that he felt that as a man, as a father, as a brother to his sisters, um, that he couldn't show any sort of vulnerability. So whether he cried or not, I don't know. Maybe that's a question I need to ask him. Probably I do. But um, it took me back, and, and, and when as I was what I was fifteen when I asked those questions, what that meant to me because I admire my dad, and so what that meant to me was oh to be a man you, you don't, don't cry. cry, no matter what the circumstances yeah. are you just don't cry, and if you do cry go do it in the shower with the shower on no one knows <laughs> if you wait your face is wet anyway you're, so who I cares? Like you're I can't work out whether your relationship with your father is a microcosm for how men don't talk in society or it's just a really extreme version like I'm not sure many men go uh, get taught from a young age to go and cry in the shower I, I, I don't know I think <laughs> I but the thing is like when you, you were talking about your crying I, like this is just a question have you 
you would you say that you've seen the majority of your friends like girlfriends cry oh yeah all of them yeah right okay so every, Absolutely sing- every single right one. so you've seen every single one of your girlfriends cry yeah okay i haven't seen one of my friends cry like boyfriends so not one of my mates i've not seen and and I'm, I'm sure they have cried of course they have like, i don't think all of my mates are like I me and robots it, so i think, I think it is the, the answer that but, is but that's what difference. i'm saying and, and and i think me included by the way if one of my mates cried in front of me or i cried in front of my, one of my mates we would be in such shock. <laughs> you like, would just be like, what, what the fuck? do we do? Because I even get it. When my friends, if, if a friend like starts crying, my immediate reaction is to be like, oh, yeah, like, like, like hug them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I really like, I'm the kind of person that like from afar just yeah, like, tap them, tap them on the like, shoulder. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is just, I think, as I said, getting a bit teary, even just a little watery eye just shows your vulnerability and it shows I often find it shows proof that what you are talking about really matters to you Mm. and that's when friends whether they're boys or girls or you know people on the street Mm. would just stop and react to that because I think it's in our human nature yeah would you question do you think I asked you about your girlfriends have any of those cried to you every single one have any of your mates like loud mates cried to you or Sam you have to tell me the moment in which, or like, but have you ever seen like a tear from any of your boy like I friends? Think, I think I can name one. Uh, Sam, Sa- I mean, Sam is just a different type of species in the sense that I genuinely think he is constantly happy. I genuinely like he has a cushy life. I, Apart from being a Spurs a, fan, he, he has, definitely has a cushy life. He but... just has had no hardship. And luckily, nothing to to affect his own mental health, or he's he's just happy all the time. I think I've seen him like get a little bit teary once. Right. But I in the five years we've been together, there's never been any reason. Not that saying you need a reason to cry. Yeah, but like for him to cry, um, and he's you know if he's had a bad day and his phone's been stolen or something, Whatever. he just sees that as silly. Whereas yeah. I would come home and cry, cry if my phone that. was stolen. Yeah, not because. It's a material item that I really want, you know, at least I'm safe, but more because I get so upset with myself for being silly with my things and yeah. being reckless, reckless and losing things. Yeah. That I just It's about myself that I cry. It's not because I really like my phone. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. You know, so I think there's just differences there, but I think... Um, when you saw your friend cry, um, what was your like, initial reaction? Like this boyfriend, like male friend who cried, like what was... Confusion. Like what is happening yeah, here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah like but work. like a a real um, motivation to help and, and just to help and and give him some sort of like I don't want you to like out him or anything, like, out him at all. Like this is I mean, but like, was he? I just, I'm interested. Was he surrounded by like was it you and like a, another girl or a few girls? Was it just you or were there like his lad mates there as well? Because I'm interested to know if he felt comfortable to do it like with his lab mates there, or was it because you were there and he's like, oh, it's Rosie and No, whoever. I don't think it was a he was crying because he was letting it out and confiding in us. I think something had really badly happened that mm. he just, it was really reaction he didn't want. So it wasn't like tears flooding down and opening up. It was like watery-eyed, red face. Yeah. I think I took him aside and said, let's just chat about it because yeah. he didn't want everyone to see him. See him, yeah. There's a difference between just letting it all out yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and just it absolutely having to happen. Type yeah. Thing. So, yeah, it's... um. And to, to link it back to like fathers, like, I, like you said, we've kind of both noticed in this podcast anyway that like we've men in general boys whatever don't cry 
you're from a young age you're taught not to cry Jeremy it's just whether you have a dad like mine who will literally tell you don't cry or it's just you just know as a boy not because also when you get when you cry as like a young boy like four year old however old it is you get called a sissy a girl a girl a pussy whatever those negative girly connotations so whether you have a dad like mine who will up front tell you not to or whatever the case may be as a lad growing up you understand that crying is a girly thing inverted commas to do um so do you think, like, uh, did you talk about or did the fathers tell you that they had ever cried? Or Because I think if, if maybe, like, if I saw my dad cry in front of me, I think, I like that I said, was, I would, yeah. it, it would show me that men can cry. Did Was that ever touched on in the documentary at all or, or the conversations behind the scenes? No. And I tell you what, I wish I had asked all of them that. There, we, it literally has just come up as this topic now that I've realised is the difference between us all, just mm. in this podcast. Um didn't speak to any of them about whether they cried. Um, as I said, I just don't think it's a natural reaction for, for, for many men. So, you know, when a lot of them are talking about their hardest times, um, for John, it was being back at work after just two weeks and knowing that his wife and home are at home, his wife and baby are at home, mm. um, and he's worried about them all the time. Yeah. But he's in a busy job; he doesn't yeah. have time to sit there and cry. Yeah, I think that's the problem. Men don't have the space to cry. Yeah, we see it as a selfish act. Yeah. Yeah, like you're being self-indulgent for crying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Rather than a necessity. None of, none of the dads I spoke to, um, we didn't bring up crying as a as a topic. It was just the immediate loneliness or lack of support mm. they have. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, do you have anything else you want to add that we haven't, like, touched on? I'm trying to think. I think we've touched on most things. Well, if you speak to your dad about your own, his mental health. Yeah. I'll pledge to speak to mine okay. about his. Should I get like a? Should I get like you a? Should follow up in a years. Like a, a get a wiretap on me and just yeah. record the conversation. But I really wanted to have that conversation with Dad in my documentary. With your as dad. Part of it, yeah. With your dad. Yeah, um, but then I there was just so much to include in the documentary and yeah. my dad and mine's relationship and family history with you know divorce the, and whatever else. The the yeah the growing up would uh, probably lead to a whole hours long feature film a three hour documentary Netflix series yeah but you know part of me thinks maybe our family wouldn't have split up if dad had felt more involved in the parenting of us I don't know yeah not blaming my mum at all he cheated absolutely (laughs) not blaming my mum she's amazing love you mum but I don't know maybe if he you know mum was a powerful woman she was doing an amazing job she was earning a bit more than him Mm. she was pregnant with her second baby which was me the miracle Um, and he probably just was lost. Yeah. You know, she's running the house, running her job. She's an absolute boss. He's earning less. Probably hadn't had much role in the parenting of, of my sister because my mum is a bit of a control freak. Yeah. And probably felt like a spare part, like 69% of every other dad in the country. Yeah, he didn't need. Isn't it? He didn't need to... Cheat. Cheat or leave. <laughs> um, but we're good now, Dad. I love you. But that was yeah. shit time. Well, I will... <laughs> I pledge that I will definitely be talking to my dad um, in the next few days. So that will be an interesting conversation. And I think we have an Earthly Delights first, which is basically all men should cry. Any blokes listening to this, get your dad to cry. Just, I don't know, kick yeah, him in the nuts I, or something. Yeah, just I do think, something. I think we've sussed the key difference between mm. um, men and women friendship groups and mm. why they don't chat to each other. Yeah. Because I'm sorry, if you started crying with your mates at a pub, 
they have to chat to you about it. Oh, oh and if they don't, you then just, just sack them off. You should just do it next as time. A as a beta next test. Next time you go for a pint, just test them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. respond and they start talking about football instead, they're yeah, not your mates. Yeah, they're not your mates. Well, you've heard it here first from the award-winning journalist, <laughs> Rosie Tarzan. <laughs> stop calling me that. <laughs> you will see her on your screens, the new Fiona Bruce. Watch out. <laughs> Okay, so this is the part of the podcast where we like to ask our guests how they get their shit together when they're feeling low. So, Rosie, how do you get your shit together? Well, that's a good question. I would say that usually when I'm feeling low, it's because I'm overworking myself and stressing myself out. Um, So I would say I get my shit together by actually taking a day for myself, doing the things that the little things that I haven't been able to do for a really long time, mm-hmm. give myself a bath. So a bit of self-care, I'd say, but also if I'm really low, I find writing, not writing my feelings down, but writing good things of things I've achieved or, or things that are going well, just to remind myself, That's you know, I'm not dying and the world isn't going to end, um, really helps. So just listing all the things I that like make that. me feel proud of myself and make me feel some self-worth I like that confidence a bit of self-love well you heard it here guys first from Rosie Dowsing the award-winning journalist <laughs> stop calling me <laughs> guys please I always forget to say this but like subscribe whatever you do on podcast word of mouth do you know what I mean just tell everyone about us obviously we're the best podcast going on Apple so just give us that five-star review and tune in next time where it'll be just Jim and I hasta luego hasta luego